With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Joining me now to talk about those battling buckos and maybe some Penguins and Steelers talk too. He is the constructor and conductor at DKPittsburghSports.com. He is Serbian reactionary Dejan Kovacevic. Dejan, uh, is Gregory Polanco the worst player in the major leagues? He's hitting 075. He's three for 40. He has 21 strikeouts, and yet he's in the lineup again tonight. Yeah, he is. I, I think what you're seeing here in a couple of cases, Mark, um, not just Polanco, but a couple others, is that Ben Sherrington is, is looking to get guys get going and maybe from there get going. Um, maybe that there'd be somebody somewhere who would want to take Polanco off the Pirates' hands. Who the hell would um, trade he, for a guy it, hitting 075 with uh, 21 strikeouts and 40 at well, Yeah, they, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the list would be pretty low if not non existent, um, and you wouldn't be doing it based on that. You'd be doing it based on hope from things that have been sporadically in his past. And that's unfortunately been the story of his career. And he knows it. He knows it. Uh, He's been beating himself up over it for a couple of years now, in addition to the shoulder issue. But now that he's healthy and he's back, um, even then he didn't really get cut a break for full context here. I mean, he was shut down uh, in the summer camp and entering the season once he tested positive uh, for coronavirus. I'm not suggesting that the virus did anything yeah, yeah, uh, no, him, no, nor am I. Did uh, or didn't. No, I, but, I just think he, he stinks. Did, but he did miss out on at bats, and he missed out on timing. But that that excuse has sailed. And he he's been absolutely terrible. There's no question about it. Well, a is, is he the worst player in the major leagues? I think he is. I mean, I'm not watching the other 29 teams, but I sure wouldn't want to bet against it. You know. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Now, <laughs> staying uh, staying in that vein. How the frig do you get picked off second base in the ninth inning by the catcher when you're the winning run? I bet that doesn't happen in the major leagues more than twice or three times a season. How could Jared Dyson allow that to happen? Not just that, but, Mark, the catcher double-clutched. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that Dyson was actually pretty much daring him. You know what I'm talking about, like little league style? Or not paying attention at all. Yeah, or, you know... The one time he actually gets on base and he has a chance, at least theoretically, to win the game, they still don't bunt for him, which I, I didn't understand on Derek Shelton's part. You have an easy, he, he's an automatic steal. It's the one thing left in his career other than catching the ball that he can still do. He's going to take second effortlessly. He might take third as well. And they're trying to bunt for him. That didn't work out. He gets out there and then he gets picked off. It's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know whether it was scripted that he'd be off tonight, but it's a good thing that he is. You know, and, and that 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 right there is a case of there's no reason for that guy to still be on the roster. You know, oh, you I, have Jared. There was Jared no reason Oliva in the first and, place, but but that sort of stuff. no, there wasn't. That was a face. That was a very clear. 
I don't know if it was face-saving because it's not like Starling Marte was Ben Charrington's mistake or something like that, but they were looking for some kind of other outlet um, to have somebody else in center field who'd done it before. Uh, Jared Oliva is a, is a, is a nice-looking outfield-slash-centerfield prospect who's in Altoona. This is where they need to start investing these last six weeks in players like that. Well, I, I think it's fairly obvious that uh... – Jared Dyson is a mere symptom because it's a stupid baseball team. It makes base running mistakes all the time. And how does that reflect on the manager, Derek Shelton? Because, well, we've talked about this before. I think the guy's an amateur. I mean, as a manager, he has a lot to prove. Uh, I'm not going to call a guy who spent his entire life in the majors an amateur, but he's got a lot to prove as an as, as a manager. Um the one thing that I keep coming back to, Mark, is that if you go back to last December and January, Ben Sherrington and Derek Shelton have said repeatedly that the number one goal that they set for the Pirates, not anybody else, that they set in 2020 was to get better. They use those two words all the time, get better. And if you set aside even the stuff that you're talking about and you get into Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman and Josh Bell, the guys who were supposed to be the heart, the top of this order, not one of them has gotten better. In fact, all of them have gotten worse. The same thing can be said about the pitching staff under Oscar Marine, although the pitching staff, in fairness, has been just destroyed by injury. You can't say that about the hitters. Well, let's talk about some of those hitters, too, because the two that – I mean, Brian Reynolds ain't doing good, but he's not useless. But Bell and Frazier stink, and it's not a small sample anymore – what is going on with those two specifically? Well, I'll respectfully disagree. I think Reynolds has been worse <laughs> than any of them. Uh, he he has made the least amount of contact. Uh, he has not less than Polanco. He hasn't. Well, okay, that's not who you put into this mix. But uh, Reynolds has 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 looked nothing, not even for short stretches, like he did uh, in, in 2019. That is imperative that Rick Eckstein and the hitting staff figures out where they need to find other answers there. Uh, Bell is reaching. They've marked, they, they've, they've found uh, opponents are just throwing him low and away, and he just keeps fishing. He did it again last night. He knows it, and he's not laying off it. That's a really, really hard thing for anyone to solve, considering they've already solved it, and he's still not doing anything about it. Adam Frazier, he's just been hot and cold. I'm not sure that I'd put him into that same category he's of guy. Where I thought, he's hit 184. Dejan, he's hit 184. No, 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 no. So he ain't been hot. No, no, no. Much. I'm saying that I'm not. I'm, I'm saying that I'm not sure I would have ever put Frazier into that same category of guys where I would have had high expectations because he's always been a guy who's really, really streaky, and then he'll get really, really cold for a long stretch. Um, my expectations for him weren't what they were for the other guys. Uh, on the bright side, out of the four. You know, Kevin Newman is starting to look like he did last year, and that's what you want to see more than anything else over these final six weeks. Let your good players be good players again, uh, and the ones who stink, get them out of there and start playing young guys. I want to move on to the Penguins, and uh, Jack Johnson is always a popular topic. Will he be back for the <laughs> Penguins? I'm hearing he may well be because, A, they don't think he stinks, and, B, I don't think they can trade him. And for that matter, I don't think they can trade Bukestad either. Well, I mean, we we, we did a, a Taylor Haas for, uh, from our website did a breakdown of what would be involved in a Jack Johnson buyout. She wrote this up about a week ago. 
and there'd be virtually no value to it other than getting him out the door. Now, if you're one of those people who just wants him out the door, then go nuts. But there's no value to it from a monetary standpoint, uh, the way the NHL's buyout structure works. Within that, our belief has always been that he was going to be around, he was going to stay around. Uh, there's, you know, there's no reason to send the guy out the door except for one thing. And that's if you believe that the head coach has some kind of thing for him where you have to take away his toys, so to speak. Uh, would there be absolutely no possibility of a trade? Post Rob Scuderi for Trevor Daly, I'm never saying that again in my life because I never saw that coming. None of us did. So maybe somehow, somewhere, there's a team that would want you know, a, a physical defenseman who can play real well whenever you're down five on three, which are a couple of things that Jack does do well. Uh, but I'm not banking on it. I don't expect it to happen. I said all along that I believe Jack is going to be back. What exactly is going to happen with Matt Murray? That's tough to draw a bead on because he's a restricted free agent, so he has little value in a trade. Uh, a team has to sign him after acquiring him, and they could get a head start on that before he hits restricted free agency or goes to arbitration. But I really don't see a clear path for the Penguins to get much in return when Matt Murray leaves. I don't know about that. Restricted free agency is is not something that really should even have the words free agency in it. I, I know that, but, uh, when, but if you go yeah, to arbitration, when, he's going to get way too much money. He could get $7 yeah, million will, in arbitration. He will, but you know that. So what you have to do is you have to look around the league at teams that fancy themselves as contenders that that need goaltending. Uh, one team that jumps to mind for me, and, and I probably did for you as soon as I said it, is Edmonton. Uh, you know, they're a team that lacks anything remotely resembling a winning pedigree. That they might look at a Matt Murray and value him. He's certainly better than Miko bleeping Koskinen, who they grossly overpaid and are still stuck with for two more years. So maybe they see that as, as an avenue to get somebody. Plus, trades with Edmonton tend to be good trades. So I, I, you think you throw out a handful of other teams, but remember that Murray's not the only guy that's out there in this in this uh, setting. Braden Holtby's going to be out there. You would absolutely, even after oh, he right. There's going to be a playoffs. glut of goalies available. That's my point, too. Right. So it's not going to be, it's, there's not going to be some massive return. There just isn't on Matt Murray. Mostly what you're looking at with Murray here is, a, is, is freeing up some cap space. Uh, you don't think there's any way he comes back then? Oh, no. I mean, my goodness, after what Jim Rutherford said, especially not. I mean, I, I didn't think that from the beginning, but for. Jim Rutherford to just come right out and say, I don't think we're going to be able to keep both guys. Uh, and, and of course, the way everybody here was burned by the expansion draft uh, with Vegas, no one's going to let that happen again with Seattle, presuming that Ron Francis would want Matt Murray. You just don't want to get into that kind of situation. You at least want to get something plus the cap value. Plus, let's not leave this out. I want Tristan Jari to know that he's the number one goaltender entering next season. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean you don't have to get him a good backup or get him a little bit of a push, but it's time for that kid to take over. He's the number one goalie in Pittsburgh. Oh, long since pastime, really. We're talking to Dejan Kamajic. Mm-hmm. He's brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. Uh, what's most important if the Penguins are to keep the window open, if, if, if they are a contender still, like Jim Rutherford says? Is it changing the roster 
or what I think, which is changing the way they play based on their age and what they really are. I think the Penguins, and particularly their stars, see themselves as they were, not as they are. You're right, but what would you do? Would you go more toward a Boston type of play? What do you mean there? I would trap and counterattack. Uh, and I, and oh, jeez. Well, but, but, <laughs> well, no, no, hold it. Okay. I'd do it. Everybody, everybody laughs, but uh, the Montreal Canadiens in the 70s were the most high-octane team ever, and they exclusively trapped and counterattacked. The minute they got the turnover, well, remember, it, it was it, five guys the other way. Yeah, and for your listeners who don't know, I mean, the Penguins actually do some trapping. They're not particularly good at it. But once they've completely given up possession in the offensive zone, you will see them backpedal into a very straight, boring 1-2-2. Um, so that's actually part of the, the system as it is. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure you don't think that's going to happen either. No, no, I think they're going to play exactly as they choose to and as they like to and right. as they can anymore. Right. That's but why they're if, not contenders. If you're asking what it would take, though, meaning from a realistic standpoint, I think you're going to have to see the Penguins find a way, find some way to acquire younger players. Now, we can say in a vacuum, well, you know, if they draft, it'll take forever, which of course it will. Um, But there are other ways to get younger players. How? Well, you never imagined that you were going to get a Marcus Patterson at 22 years old. You didn't think you were going to get a John Marino completely out of nowhere. Zach Aston Reese was signed out of out of college. Uh, now there's word that Kevin Stevens' son, Luke, is going to be signing. Uh, so you have younger players that you have different ways to get them. But the biggest thing for me, Mark, I'm going to keep pounding this issue into oblivion. When you have them, Play them. Well, that's my point. Them. I'm looking at the obvious choices to play next year, like Poulin and POJ, and I bet that Sullivan won't get himself to trust them enough to play them. I'll bet you're right, and I'll, I'll take it further. I think he has a hard time. I don't think he has a hard time playing Sam Lafferty. I think he has a hard time identifying what Sam Lafferty is. I think he sees Sam Lafferty as just being another or like a right-handed Zach Aston Reese who will never score. But you look at some of the plays that Lafferty makes, and I'm not just talking about shooting and passing. I'm talking about the plays that he makes down low to keep the puck. He has a little bit of Teddy Bluger in him. Just He just happens to be a bigger body in terms of his ability to maintain possession. You have to, uh, you have to let a player with ceiling show his ceiling, and I don't think that's been the case here with this head coach and younger players, with very few exceptions. I want to move to the Steelers for a second. Is the Steelers' offensive line going to be a weakness? It's supposed to be a strength. It wasn't really last year. And it seems like some guys are fading. Not that they stink, but that they're fading. Yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> I don't see that. Um, I, I, I don't see, in particular, the, the, the main guys. I mean, the, the two main guys in Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro, especially not DeCastro. DeCastro is just so steady, so strong. Uh, I mean, Pouncey's getting a little bit older. Alejandro Villanueva, uh, you know, we'll see how he holds up over the course of the year. But otherwise, you're talking about Matt Filer, who we have seen on the inside. I know how you feel about that, that you'd rather have him outside. Uh, but we've seen that he can handle it. So what we're really talking about here is right tackle. Um I was over there yesterday. No, no, no. I have fears about Villanueva. I have fears about DeCastro even. He hasn't practiced yet, and he's no spring chicken. Yeah, he's got a really minor issue. Um, I I was over at practice yesterday. The right tackle position 
you know, was being held by Zach Banner, who had a really, really good practice. Uh, again, these are just practices, but I'm talking about whenever they were snapping the ball uh, and had a couple of really hard run-ins with, with T.J. Watt and held his own. Chooks uh, for is a guy that, I'll tell you what, Mark, the vibe that I got at Heinz Field is that Chooks is going to end up winning that job. Uh, that doesn't mean that's set in stone. But one way or another, one of those guys is going to end up backing up Villanueva and maybe even taking some snaps from him along the way if that happens. So I, I think, you know, between that uh, and, and Stefan Wisniewski, you've got sufficient depth, you've got sufficient versatility, and you've got sufficient experience there. Uh, I think it's a good group, and I don't think it's going to be something that would let the Steelers' offense down. Uh, cliched question, but how good can Ben be? What expectations are realistic and fair? Because I think he can have a real good season, but I don't think that's the only thing good that has to happen for the Steelers to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's correct. I, I, I'll, uh, first, I have to say this. Watching him throw yesterday, whatever doubts I had, even in the deepest recesses of my head, were blown to bits. Uh, he was really sharp, crisp. The timing that he showed was what threw me, Mark. Uh, the, in particular, with uh, there was a, a great chemistry between him and Juju, uh, as well as Deontay Johnson. Uh, both of those, especially the latter, to me was encouraging because I think Deontay is going to be the guy, the number one receiver. I've been saying that for months uh, going into this season, but especially once Ben starts remembering, doing some of that muscle memory, if you will, of how he would throw and how he would adjust to Antonio Brown. That's not being unfair to Deontay and suggesting he's A.B. He's not, but he has a lot of the same traits. Having two tight ends out there, I don't know that Ben's job is has been easier than it's going to be this season in a long time. I, think, I don't think he has a number one has target, but I think he'll be spoiled for choice. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that, and that's when it comes down to him. Uh, to a, to an extent on Randy Feetner, but let's not leave out that Matt Canada is part of this offense now, too, a big part of it from what I understand. Dejan, as always, great stuff. We'll do it again next week. All right, Mark. Take care.